You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good Sunday night, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. It's been a crazy weekend, you know, uh, Yes, a a lot to cover. A lot to cover. Uh, Well, I mean, that always happens when we're so late in the season. We have completed eight games. We are going to preview game nine, and we have a ton to talk about, not just focusing on the student-athletes that won their game on Friday night, but the gentleman that directs them, and then a few people that came back for a few events this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, feel like, I feel like typically there might, there might be some times over the course of the years where I would feel like, oh, this is like a historic weekend, but like... <laughs> It may not apply any more than this past weekend. Yeah, this was just kind of a convergence, a confluence of events. And it was, and I've said this to multiple people already, it's just a fortuitous timing for uh, just the way a uh, thing worked out. Yeah. You know, I re- uh, coincidences or signs or whatever you want to call it, everything came together perfectly for Wilson football this weekend. Yeah, it was funny. Someone pointed that out to us last weekend before the Hemfield game. I mean, not that we didn't know, but like someone had pointed out that the way things had unfolded that it, it may happen that way and just hearing someone else like say that like kind of put that into motion in my right. mind i was like oh man that that could be a crazy weekend and, and, and it was spoiler it was, awesome. it, yeah, was. Yeah. it was a crazy weekend but it was a great weekend a lot of fun was had both uh in terms of game results and celebrating the program in general so yeah. we have a lot to get to so First, we'll just quickly take care of our uh, our little house cleaning and announcement stuff. Again, we want to thank our uh, Bulldog Hour show sponsors, May's Sandwich Shop, Topher's Tenth and Elm Cafe, our two anonymous donors, and EasternPAFootball.com's Andy Her. And while this necessarily isn't necessarily a Bulldog Hour specific announcement here, what I'm about to say, uh, we are steamrolling towards the playoffs. And uh, if you all recall from two years ago, the PIAA District 3 charges a media rights fee for teams to stream the playoff games. That is uh, an unfortunate uh, necessity that we can't get around. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we have to address should we have the ability to stream the games? Yeah. So, while not the greatest option, I shouldn't say that. While not the most convenient option, better than last year's option. <laughs> right. Yeah, last year there wasn't even the opportunity to do so. So this is a little bit different. Uh, so I don't, this isn't show specific. I'm not asking on behalf of the Bulldog Hour. I'm asking on behalf of the fans that cannot get to the stadiums where the Bulldogs play. If you are a, a business, you know, corporation, um, an organization, or an individual, or multiple individuals, and you're interested in 
you know, sponsoring the cost of that. I believe the first round um, at the school rate, which I think that I can get because I got two years ago, is $500. It will be $500 to stream Wilson's 11th game, which would be the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I believe it's $500. So if someone group out there is interested, uh, contact us. We had two groups step up two years ago. The football parents organization paid the media rights fee to District 3 for the first round, uh, the first round victory against, was that Red Lion? Yeah. Um, I think it was Red yeah, Lion. It starts to run together. I think it was Red um, Lion back-to-back years, I actually. I it was Central York two years ago, but it could be running together. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then... Uh, Weigel really group did the next round where we, we went to Manheim Township and ended up losing, but Weigel really covered the fee, which is even higher in the next right, round. Yeah. I think it was 625. Yeah, it, it progresses. So uh, just putting that out there now, because I'll put an announcement out on Facebook saying, hey, if you want to see a game stream of the playoffs, we gotta, you know, we gotta basically crowdfund this sponsorship because the school's not gonna pay for it, and I obviously cannot pay for that out of pocket. So um, that's just something on the horizon just to kind of put out there for you. Uh, but back to the show, again, you can help out us specifically here to cover all the, the costs associated with the uh, live streaming and podcasting uh, equipment and whatnot through sponsorship and advertising, in-kind donations, uh, visiting the website, and then Justin's favorite, spreading the word. Yeah, like and share. You know, if, if, you, uh, if you can help do that for the streams or the things, posts you see online, all that stuff just helps uh, spread spread the word about the show. Episode 16 will be live next Sunday night, October 20th. Same time, 8.30, same places, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're there. Find us. Uh, listen. Uh, watch while we stream. Listen after the fact. Podcast. Visit anchor.fm to get uh, the variety of ways you can subscribe to the show in podcast form or search iTunes, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify for Bulldog Hour or JMNJR Radio. And, uh, yep, slide for the schedule is here. And we are at the last part of that middle column. We are recapping that game against Warwick and we are previewing the game against Cedarcrest. And then next week at this time, we'll already be looking ahead to that third column. It's tough to believe but this is the last time i'll be showing this slide because we're talking about it tonight the 70th season celebration pretty much happened this weekend we it's here and it's gone friday night we had the tradition club event saturday was the alumni flag football and the evening reception and uh it was a great time so before we talk about the warwick game specifically let's take a look at the tradition clubs event that's the championship team reunions we had welcome back players and coaches from the title teams from fall of 1969, 1979, 1989, 1999, and 2009. So yeah, 50, 40, 30, 20, and 10 year anniversaries for these groups. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Um, you know, I know a couple of years ago uh, with with my uncle, um, he came up, I think, when the 67 team yep. was, was celebrated. We did that one in, in uh, 2017. Right. And so... When, um, you know, it, it was quite the experience because I'm not sure he's been to a Wilson football game since he graduated from Wilson. He, he moved away and, and all kinds of things. Um, his kids didn't go to Wilson or anything like that. So um, he was back and I think he was just blown away at what what it is now compared to what he remembers, you know, back 
1967, I think that was the un- undefeated team. Um, it was the yeah Wilson's yeah, first undefeated, undefeated team right. uh, that featured Mike Ritz at uh, at at back. Yeah. Uh, he was the big name, and uh, guys that played on that team were here as right. well, a lot of them were seniors on the '69 team, so they would have been softs on that '67 right. team. So it, it it is. I know some of those guys are around a lot, you know, and and are in the community and are still at a bunch of games and things. But I know there are some every year that kind of are are a little further away or don't have the opportunities to come uh, back as often. And so it is cool for those guys to get a chance to be back and, and uh, one get to see some of the guys they played with and things like that, but also get to see Wilson football now. Yeah. And it was great, uh, a great event again. And this one's spearheaded. Like I said, the Wilson football tradition club, uh, Hallie Vaughn is usually is the leader for this one, especially this year with, uh, me working on the alumni fo- flag football event, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, but Hallie Vaughn and, and pr- the president of the club, Barry Aiello, uh, and, and they got help from a few of our menders, members, uh, Trevor Vaughn and, uh, Don Heipler and Dave Long, and it was just a, a great event Friday night pr- prior and during the Warwick game to welcome back, welcome back these players who played on uh, significant teams in Wilson's history, and it was great to have them back. And uh, a lot of team captains came back for this championship team reunions as well as for the alumni flag football game, and uh, it was just a great time. They got recognized at halftime, and that's the one picture you can see on the right. And uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And we look forward to, uh, this is an annual thing for the Tradition Club. I believe this was the fourth, fourth year we've done something. Uh, so we'll have something set up for 2020 and we'll announce those teams in the coming months. So look forward to that coming real soon. So let's talk a little bit about Wilson's victory against Warwick on Friday night. Uh, it was 14-7, to favor the Bulldogs. And Wilson started hot. They looked really good in the first half. Yeah, they did. They shut out Warwick, which hasn't been done a lot over the last no, few they years. Were averaging over forty points a game. Now I know, I believe Township did it last week, but yes, you know now you're talking about the two best teams right, that Warwick think, has played. Right, but think about that. They were averaging forty some points a game, and they were held to seven last week. Right. So, like when you factor that into yes. the average. They were scoring in bunches. I know early on. Yeah. Now again, some of those games might not have been exactly um, the the cream the, of the crop. I was going to say, yeah, the level that they were getting from you know week in, week out in section one. But you're still, you know, to go up and and average that many points, you're doing something right. You're doing a lot of things right, actually. Right. And so um, it, it's one of those things where. It's a potent offense, um, as Wilson is well aware. Um, it's obviously not exactly the same as the team they had last year, you know, due to graduation and injuries and things like that. However, um, they still have a really good quarterback. And, like, I've, I had a number of people come up to me this weekend and talk to me and just, like, how many quality, like, high-quality quarterbacks that Wilson had to go up against this a year? A lot. And Basically almost, every week except maybe Two, yeah, three. Yeah. I mean, we've played eight games, and I'd say five of the eight games featured a top shelf quarterback I'd in agree. high school football. Yeah, I'd agree. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite the gamut that Wilson has run. They are battle tested. The they they did really well, and, and I and the offense was clicking early. Right, they, they really had it going. So, yeah, good night to start Wilson. 
gets a, an early touchdown midway through the first quarter. Caleb Brown to Brady Gibble, who went up to get it. It was a, it was a nice. It was pass. a very. And it was and a, a nice, really nice catch. Yeah, nice pass, great catch. Then uh, in the second quarter, clo- close to halfway, a little bit, a little bit before that, a little bit at the beginning of the second quarter, we'll say. Uh, Wilson mounted the drive that started, I believe, at their three. And yes. yeah. uh, it was capped off with a 40-plus-yard touchdown run by Mason Leonard. Yeah. And that put Wilson up 14 to nothing. A few minutes later, Wilson's driving again, threatening to go up by three scores. And a deflected pass in the end zone is eventually picked off right. by Warwick. And that's where things started to turn a little bit, started to change. The momentum right. was swinging. I thought maybe Wilson was ending that at the... the Right before halftime, when Warwick missed the long field goal, like fifty some yard. Um, but it it I, is because it was fielded. Is that why it was a touchback, no, or is no, it because it I didn't believe, go? No, I believe every missed field goal in high school football comes back to the twenty. Then. Oh, it does. I believe okay. so. I think that's as an incentive or not a penalty to attempt longer attempt field longer goals. Field goals. Right? I got you. Because okay, it, uh, field goals are limited in attempts in high school football anyway. That. That's my understanding. I, that's not directly from the rule book, but I, I believe it's any missed field goal comes to the 20 um, as to not penalize a team for attempting longer field goals. Okay. All right. That makes more sense because it was like, why would you feel that if, if you weren't allowed to return it and then right, get at the right, 20? Right. So that makes a lot more sense. But Wilson got at the 20 with just a few seconds left, and they tried like a little draw up the middle to Mason, and I thought for a second he was going to score. Now yeah. I'm actually glad he didn't because no, there was a penalty. One hundred percent. If he wouldn't have, if he would have scored and then it got called back for a penalty, that would have been worse. Everyone would have been, been very worse. upset. Yeah, but it ended up being like a sixty-six yard rush or something like that. So you're like, okay, you know, you know, it's it sucks that there's an interception, uh, right. but still got a first half shutout. And we get We're moving the ball. The ball. The yeah, we get the ball to start the second half. Well, the offense couldn't do anything in the second half. Warwick had all the momentum. They had. Uh, a lot of confidence, a lot of moxie. They drove down the field, and they were just getting three or four yards every time. And the defense was bending and not breaking other than the one time. And that was true the entire second half. And then we got to uh, the fourth quarter where Wilson turns it over with about four and a half minutes to go um, on a fourth down play that, it, once again, the pass got deflected and intercepted. And with four and a half minutes to play, the Warwick offense didn't even have to go, I think, a full fifth yard. It was right around midfield. Yeah, it was right around midfield. So you, you, we were like, okay, we know what's going to happen. They're going to drive down the field because that's just the way, you know, we're always pessimistic here, never optimistic. We're just thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to drive down the field. And then as they're doing that, you know, I'm turning. I talked to Ryan Wolver. I'm like, if they score, they're going to go for two, right? Yeah, like, thought, they have to. Like, they I, have all the momentum. Right, I thought they would go for two if they scored. I, I, would, I don't know what they would yeah, have done. Yeah, who knows? I think they would Because have. it didn't happen. Right. And uh, that is uh, the main thing we're going to see here. Hopefully on the highlights. I didn't have time to get to uh, dive into them too deeply, but I think we're going to get to see them. Hopefully the guy in the box got it. I got it. Oh, you got it? Got all right. Uh, yeah. But before we can get to the stop that ended the game, there was a play before that. Oh that uh, had Coach Dom's a little, uh, a little steamed. Yeah. So, because as well, do you want to explain well, what happened? Or like, yeah, I, I feel like, and I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the replay, so I don't know exactly what what. It, yeah. Well, what happened? So I actually have a picture my, of the ball on the ground. Right. So my what I thought I saw. Now again, 
Well, it, sometimes it's really hard right. for me because I'm watching through a let's, screen. Let's set it up first. So Warwick drives down, and they're just outside the 10. Right. And the quarterback They can get a first junior, down inside, yeah. like inside the 2 or something. Joey like that. McCracken roll, rolls out on a play that was, I think he could he could throw a quick hitch right. or he could run the ball right. was essentially what they were going to do. He ran it. He gets stopped around the three, but is being pushed and trying a second oh effort gosh. to get in. Caleb Brown comes and stands him up, right. is holding him there, and then Jaden Jones right. comes in and Wilson, finishes him off. Right. The rally to the ball, and that was huge. It's like, what we tell our players in middle school. You cannot give up on a play. Right. Because at some point, there could be two inches or less that matters, and that was that play. Caleb Brown stood it up just short of the goal line, was holding him there and hoping someone would come and help him to finish him off. They did. The ball was spotted right around the one or inside right. the one, and then this next series comes up right. where the first play, Wilson stops him. And the clock is running. Right. I think there's about like 38 seconds left around the first down yeah. inside the one. So they get up and get ready to run a second play, but they want to spike the ball to right. stop the clock because they are out of timeouts. Right. And then what happens is Wilson knows what's coming, so they're going to attack immediately to see if they can mess it up. It's kind of like what we're teaching our guys for goal line at middle yeah. school where you're just trying to dive through the gaps and make just create havoc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this happens because it was a great push from the defensive lineman, probably Jeff Colson, Nate Keller, Adam Vanino, and I know Anthony Coper was coming right. in from behind. And as soon as that ball moves, they attack the center towards the right. quarterback. And Warwick quarterback Joey McCracken never gets the snap. No. It hits his hands and bounces to the ground. Right. Which is a fumble. Yes. And Wilson recovers. However, the ref's also throwing a flag decide that no it was a spiked ball right to stop the clock right now there are multiple things i thought and again it was really you know it's hard to see the details i thought fumbled snap but i thought when he picked it up i it i thought mccracken picked it up but when he picked it up his knee was on the ground so it would have been a kneel not a spike of a spike right which it was hard to see in the chaos, but like that's what I thought, and I'm like, well, then the clock should be running, yeah, you know, and like all that stuff. That may not be what happened. Like I said, I didn't have a clear shot of of what was going on, but I'm like, man. And then while they're sorting this out, now it's not exactly, but they're essentially getting a timeout, right? Because it's an extended period of time, not just the 40 seconds, you know. Because the refs are sorting it out, they were like, no, there's no flag. The word we got after the game was even in a situation where they're trying to spike it, they have to bring it up and actually make the throwing motion. They can't just tap they can't it throw the it right down. So like, like essentially, in no way, shape, or form could that have been considered a spiked ball to stop the clock. Right. Yeah, it it almost seems like again, and we we may get a look. I don't know that we'll get a look on here, but we may get a look, but. It feels like there were two ways they could have made a more correct call and went with the third option, which was the last call, which was like Spike. My, I did he have someone come up to me this weekend. They think the refs didn't know what happened. And so they, they had to give him the, the benefit spike of the because doubt. Because they were like, we can't give him a turnover if we don't know what happened. Now, that's, that is pure speculation. I, I don't get that line of thinking because I, that just 
like says to me that the default response is the offense is always right. Like, and that doesn't, well, why? I'll elaborate more. After I guess it's show. like, Ty goes, Ty goes to runner, Ty goes to runner in baseball, which, which is interesting. Cause I've heard from umpires. They've spoken like, technically speaking, you can never have a tie. Like the ball well, or the no. runner had to reach there first. You know, like, but, yeah, it depends on how, how, <laughs> yes, how microscopic right, do you exactly, want to get? Exactly. But, so this is called significant digits. Right. <laughs> right. Think back to your chem lessons. Yes. But anyways, but anyways yes. but so, so Wilson they, recovered the ball. That's right. why it matters. Right. Wilson had the football. Right. And the clock stopped instead of running. Right. And there's like, what, around 12 yeah, I think seconds? It was 19. I think there was were it as much as 19? Se- yeah. I think there were 19 seconds left at that point. Okay. And so then they run the ball and the play ends with 12 seconds left. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so was there attempt on fourth down? No, I think it was third down. Because if it was fourth, it wouldn't have mattered. We would have had that. So did they? So did they spike the ball on first down? Was that so? Yeah. The, so the quarterback McCracken got no. stopped short at the one. Right. They came up. And they ran, came up. Right? Yeah. They came up and ran the ball. First down. First down. Fail spike. Second, second down. down. Coper stop on third down. Right. So the they final were, play was on fourth down. What, no, what they were trying to get off was fourth down. But right. But what I'm saying off. is then the the. Spiked ball. They still had 19 seconds left, and they couldn't get two plays off in 19 seconds. That's that's my my perception of it, and I was kind of going back and forth. I feel like when the when the last play that got off ended, I thought there were 12 seconds left, and they did not get the playoff. Hmm. Well, I mean, time doesn't it doesn't really matter anymore. I just right. I feel like with 19 seconds left coming off of the clock being stopped, you should absolutely be able to run two plays in 19 seconds. 100. percent yeah, especially when you weren't running pass plays. <laughs> right. Like, you right. guys didn't go that far. Well, let's quick go over some individual stats and then take a look at those highlights, and uh, we will uh, give our play of the player of the game out and uh, see if we can see anything of note um, in those highlights. But first off, we're going to talk about this, some team statistics here from Wilson's win over Warwick. Each team had 14 first downs, pretty even. Wilson was able to get a bigger rushing total. Of course, over 100 yards of that were on two Mason Leonard runs, the one touchdown and the one right before half. But Wilson had 248 yards rushing to Warwick's 102. The biggest thing here is net yards passing. Now, Wilson only finishes with 60, but the bigger one is Warwick 126 because they had been throwing for a lot. I think that's about half of what they were averaging uh, per game and. And McCracken was and just about the, a quarter of what McCracken threw against us last year. Yeah, so. you're right. Crazy to think about. Yeah, he threw over for, for over 500 yards against Wilson last oh, year. By the way, I believe he's a junior. He is so a junior. He'll be back next year. Uh, so total offense: Wilson 308, Warwick 228. Uh, both teams were penalized. It was a, it was a it was a flag fest early on. Yeah. Uh, eight for Warwick, seven for Wilson. Pretty even in that regard. Um, any other standouts here? Third or fourth down? Nope, wrong button. There we go. Um, possession time, almost identical. 24.07 to Warwick, 23.53 for Wilson, but a lot of Warwick's possession time came in the second half. Uh, third downs, Warwick 6 of 16, Wilson 6 of 13. Fourth down, Warwick 1 of 2, Wilson 1 of 3. Red zone, both teams did fail to score inside the red zone. Uh, Warwick was stopped for the... 
the uh, the game to end, and Wilson had the deflected interception. Uh, individually speaking, here, you know, it was a uh, uh, neither offense could get too much going, so there's not going to be a lot of uh, huge standouts here. We talked about McCracken already; he threw for 126 yards and one touchdown. Uh, their uh, their stud running back Colton Miller had 58 yards on 19 rushes and receiving uh, no huge. Uh, plays given up. The biggest one, I think, was a 28-yarder to Caleb Schmitz. But Connor Adams led the way for Warwick for five catches for 34 yards. Wilson's side, I mentioned Mason Leonard rushing department, seven for 129 in the touchdown. Quarterback Caleb Brown kept the ball 13 times for 72 yards. And uh, Avanti Locker carried 16 times for 47 yards. Man, that was, like, I know, like, 16 times for 47 yards, you're like, oh, man, you know, that's that's just under three yards a carry. However, man, he he earned every bit of those yards, yeah. and, and they were – that's a big 47 yards. Some of those were, were big plays, yeah, like important plays. Yeah, he may have only averaged just a sh- shade under three, but if you only need two or three yards, that's right. you're the guy – he's right. the guy you're going to want in there. And uh, talk about a little throwback Wilson football, rushing the ball 36 times. Yeah. <laughs> gaining 248 yards and scoring uh, on the ground as well. So uh, maybe not flashy, although, you know, Mason had a couple big runs, but they got the job done. Quarterback Caleb Brown was 8 of 16 for 60 yards, one touchdown, and the two interceptions, both of which were deflected. Receiving-wise, Matt Fry led the way with three for 16 yards. Yardage-wise, it was Brady Gibble with two for 24 and the really nice catch to open up the scoring for the Bulldogs uh, for that touchdown in the first quarter. Now defensively, and that's uh, where uh, the majority of the game was played, the defensive side of the ball for both teams. They were the ones that were featured and highlighted. Uh, They were the ones that had to get the job done with both teams' offense. They they couldn't figure it out for most of the game, uh, the opposing defense. For the uh, Bulldogs, Avanti was the leading tackler with 10, one for loss, 10 tackles in a game, 10 for Avanti. That's a huge game defensively for him. He was everywhere. Nate Hoekstra was next with seven, including a sack. Uh, Mason Leonard chipped in five and two pass breakups. Jaden Jones had five, and I already mentioned him. He was huge on that last series, uh, especially inside the 10. He's playing an outside linebacker with the injury to A.J. Futrick. Uh, Jeff Colson with three and a half. Troy Corson with three and a half and a breakup. And Anthony Coper, three with one and a half of those three for loss. And I believe both of those, well, the one and a half, all happened within two plays of one another. I think I think Hoekstra's was also, I think that was the fake punt when he just went through and he, yeah. the guy rolled right and he, Hoekstra chased him. He was him not down. having it. No, yeah, that, and that was huge. That you know, it was, like, yeah, it was absolutely it was close huge. The field and, and all of that. Um, yeah, that, that was, that was an important play. Very, very much but so. But yeah, like you said, there were a couple plays where we got them tackle for a loss or sacks and things and they, Especially towards the end, that was really important. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So let's take a look at the game recap now. Um, this is from the Wilson point of view, so we'll be all good here. At least I, I hope it is. Yes, it is. So we're going to open up things here with a, a nice little run here by Mason early in the game. First quarter, we're getting close to uh, the first Bulldog score, which is probably going to be the next highlight we see. It was nice to see how tough Mason was running again, and then the line coming to his yeah. help. And so his aid. There was a lot of effort 
plays that we saw, and and that was huge. I, I think of one like Eli. It was near midfield, and he caught the ball pretty much at the line of scrimmage and fought like three guys off for maybe like just like a three or four yard gain. But that was really important. That man, he put it up there where Brady was going to get it or was going out the back of the end. Yep, so that was that was great. That was great. And now here's uh, this, this drive is the one I talked about that started at our three yard line, and Mason Leonard takes it up the middle. He splits the defenders, and once he gets behind you, you're not catching him. No. And he's gone. 46 yards, I believe it was. And that put Wilson up 14 to nothing. Uh, so here we are still in the second quarter, and we're going to see a nice run by quarterback Caleb Brown. And this is uh, the point where the drive would end up stalling uh, with the with the deflected interception. But this here is Mason's big just-before-halftime run, and uh, – Got caught at the 15, but like I said, there actually was a penalty on that play. It was declined, so the play counts, but if it would have really mattered on the scoreboard, it wouldn't have counted, if if that makes any sense, if everyone's wondering. But uh, here's a nice uh, little run, pick up huge yardage um, by quarterback Caleb Brown, and um, that was it because it was, was, like I said, defensive slugfest. So I'm going to see if I can find the the defensive plays that we were talking about because uh, I think the auto algorithm is just looking for big stuff defensively. So I'm going to see if I can find this here, if you can give a... Yeah. So when when we think about the game, we we talked about, um, like, offensively speaking, um, we had things really kind of clicking early on. Obviously, Warwick's going to make adjustments, you know, and it's not that things fell apart in in the second half we just were just off on some of the things you mentioned there were a number of penalties so kind of as we were going like throughout um you know sometimes that would that would cause you know a drive to stall or something like that but it it was really kind of crazy how things came down and uh we were able to set it up so that the defense was was able to kind of bend a little bit, but they but they didn't break. Um, you know, we we already addressed that was exemplified by that last drive, right? Uh, how they stood tall at, at the moment where there was no more give, like there was no more room exactly. to give. They get yeah. it down inside the one, um, but yeah, All right. it, it, was, so, it was pretty incredible. I have the film from both your camera and Ryan's camera. We're gonna watch your vantage point, Ryan's vantage point on the final four plays. Of okay. the game, so we're gonna see it's gonna. It's okay. okay. Uh, we're gonna see um, the play that we've talked about a bunch, where the quarterback Joey McCracken is gonna roll out to the left and be stood up at the one, and then there's three plays in a row that the that the uh, defense makes a goal line stand. So let's take a look at this right now. All right, again, you're gonna watch uh, McCracken is gonna roll out to his left here. Um, I think this is the point where there's like 39 seconds left or something. I believe Warwick had just taken a, their final timeout. Um, and it may have even been a designed run play. Here he didn't go. really. Hold him up. And yeah. there, J- uh, or that, Troy, Troy was in there too yep. and uh, throws him down. And this is the same play that we just saw um, from the end zone camera. I know that it's not focused, but um, you're going to get a, a good idea of how close the Warwick quarterback was to scoring and tying the game. On this play alone. So he makes that. a nice move. Jaden hits him. Caleb holds him up. Troy uh, comes in, there comes in behind. behind. Uh, so, yeah. So the three of them held him up. Now, here's the first play. Okay. Oh, so okay. That, it was on first down. Right, yeah. you can, um, That is obvious. I'm going to run that back. That is so incredibly obvious. The quarterback has no idea. 
He he's not ready for it at all. I mean, just watch the way that McCracken reacts. How he jumps on the ball. The ball never got and, to. I'm not look, even sure it hit his hands. Right. But then, like, watch. So, like, you can see how I thought he downed it. You know, you see what I mean? Like, oh, he's yeah. on his knees. Like, he did not spike it. And they threw a flag for whatever reason that was. Right. But here, you're going to see it again. Watch his reaction. He goes down to try to get the ball. He has, doesn't have the ball. He never got the ball. Right. And then he's, like, telling, no, 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 I was, I was throwing yeah. it down. So now we're going to get two consecutive right. stops. Yep. One right there to the running back where he wasn't even close. No. He, lost he lost a lost yard, yard or two. And this is the, the same play from a different angle. And, uh... Yeah, it's 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 incredible. It's a great great stand by the defense. I mean, and and this is Anthony Coper's assisted tackle, and here it is, last play of the game. What do you do? We got a good running quarterback. You're giving it to him, right? Nope. Designed running play. Coper yeah. splits the gap, makes the tackle, and you're going to see even better from this angle. And uh, he just slices right in and makes yeah. the play. It's that wasn't that was an incredible play. And then and uh this is them trying to line it up and you can see nope, time expired, game over, Wilson wins so, 14 to 7. Just an arrow is great because you could see the, the clock mm-hmm. going down from that last angle. Um it was crazy difficult to get those last few plays on like on the ca- recorded because so there's some shaking in the press box where I normally am, but to try and get a different vantage point, I was up on top of the press box this week. Well, let me tell you, the shaking is magnified. The, the <laughs> Warwick camera guys down were like looking over at me like, is everything are, are okay? Gonna, are we going to Because fall? it was crazy. It was violently shaking up on top <laughs> of the press box because the stand, you know, the band is right down in front yep. and they're all jumping up and down and screaming and people are all staying. Everybody's on their feet, you know, just kind of waiting to see what happens. So I'm just trying to like I'm basically like trying to hold it and steady it on my own because it's just like rocking back and forth. But um, yeah, man, that was that was an awesome end of the game. Yeah. And, and guys made big plays when they needed to. You know, like yep. th- that is. I think that maybe exemplifies it. Like you're not going to win every game pretty. You know, um, not every game will be pretty, but uh, grinding it out and getting a good win against a really quality team like Warwick. I, I mean, I know they've lost two in a row, but they've lost two in a row to the teams that are one and two in right. Six, in a, six a and they are five. a Right. So I, we've seen some of the other teams in five a and they're of the, of teams the ones we've, we've seen, seen. Yeah. They're the, the best. Warwick's the best. Yes. Um, so they they still have, I feel like, a lot of football ahead of them. Um, yeah, I mean, the only one that I would think could possibly give them a problem would be Shippensburg. Right. Uh, we, because I don't, I, I mean, not, they're better than Cedar Cliff. Them. They're better than Cocalico. They've already proved they're better than Mannheim Central. I don't know much about York William Penn. I know they lost to Cedar Crest. But, okay. Well, right. But like, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. I, I know. I, I, I and mean, that was early in the season. Right. And and we know that uh, we've we've seen Governor Mifflin, and we can kind of right, know what Exeter can Warwick, do. Warwick, while well, ranked sixth, well, probably may a bump up a couple spots. 
I would feel like Warwick's only hurdle is Shippensburg. To honest, honestly, I don't, I don't see how yeah. any of the other teams. I figure they're no worse than a toss up though to, right. to any team. I would in, think so. in the five A thing. Yeah. So well, you mentioned big plays, and no plays were bigger other than I guess the points or the the plays that got points on the board for Wilson than the final drive uh, for Warwick that was silenced at the end. And the one doing the silencing is our player of the game this week, and that's senior offensive lineman and linebacker Anthony Coper. He uh, is a starting guard for the offense, and he helped block for the rushing attack that gained 248 yards and scored a touchdown in that manner. And then he made three tackles, none bigger than the final two plays of the game, uh, where he helped stuff uh, the running back on two consecutive plays, the second of which was him. He beat the blockers and made the play, uh, forcing Warwick to try to hurry up and get one more playoff, which they didn't do. And, uh, you know, I I was told that the whole defense should be player of the game, but I I felt that there was at least an individual standout right there at the end. I mean, you could throw Avante in there as well, having 10 tackles from his, you know, the the, the two inside linebackers in the Wilson offense, they're made to get those tackle stats. And Avante showed that what you can do when you're getting incredible play from the defensive line and he's cleaning them up. And then Coper's instincts at the end, um, I don't want to say single-handedly won the game because I don't want to get that hyperbolic about it, but obviously those are huge plays and he made them count. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we mentioned um, guys stepping up and, and making a play, you know, like you, you have your ups and downs throughout the game and, and it sounds cliche. Well, let me rephrase that. It is cliche to be like, you know, you have to weather the storm and you have to move on to the next play and all that stuff. But like, you know, we, we turn the ball over and, and then they, they come down the field and then they get to the one. They have first and goal at the one, you know, with seemingly enough time to get four cracks at the end zone with the quarterback who I assumed was going to roll out and yeah, have you like would one think, pass options, yeah, which is what they did to get down there. Right. Like, he converted mean, third and like fourth a few plays. Like where you have a, like where he, he is going to run it or pass it. And they chose not to go that route. And, Listen, I, I've seen one Warwick game this year, you know, and that's the one on Friday night. So, like, you know, they, they know what they're doing over on that other side too. But it just, hey, I feel like they played to our strength at the end, and yeah, I welcome that. But all that being said, you have to have guys go – like it. Like I said, it's not like, oh, you can't give up a first down. No, you can't give up a yard. You can't give up a yard. And it was funny because before the game, we were joking about – Oh, you know, it would be great to see this be a classic game where Wilson stops. And we, we made reference to the stop that I believe Tommy O'Brien made um, in 2016. On the two-point conversion attempt by Springford at, you know, in what, double overtime or something like that. Yeah, September 2016. And, and you know, it, I believe it was, it was the pretty same close. End zone. Yeah, it was. Um, and Cobra makes the play. Those you know, are, like, I mean, those were bold playmaker plays. Like, Right, you you need a guy to make a. play. He had confidence to go and and well, just, and read it, and shoot the gap, and make the play, and he did it. Right, because it's one thing to be like, well, oh, I think I can get I there. Think it was interesting. It's I another think, to do it. I think it was Drago. It might have been Ryan because I was reading everybody's stuff like on this game, and they were talking about how they asked, like, was it just like, you know, everybody just everyone go? We're just gonna wholesale out on the run. It was read and and play our defense. No, we're reading the play, and I knew, like, I saw it, and I just got it. 
Wow. Mad props to yes. um, defensive coordinator Ernie Wolber and his entire defensive staff. Uh, we already mentioned it, but it can't, you don't remember. This team was averaging over 42 points a game, throwing for hundreds of yards each week. Uh, and I know that they got this, a little bit of slack two weeks ago for what happened against Manheim Township and uh, their prolific attack. And uh, adjustments were made. And they got revenge for what Warwick did to the team last year. Right. So a great effort by um, the, the coaching staff again to get Wilson to 7-1. and one. And it was a big one, a huge one, because it is the 152nd win for Coach Doms as head coach of the Bulldogs. And why is that important? Well, it puts him atop the program record book, breaking John Gursky's record of 151. And, uh, well, I actually was able to catch a little bit of video of uh, the presentation at the end. The coaching staff surprised Coach Doms with a personalized football marking the occasion. And uh, you're not going to be able to hear Jerry and Doug talk, but you're just listen to the players and the celebration that goes on on Doug's behalf. So, do you think the kids are excited? Yeah, I think they're pretty excited. <laughs> and it, it, it's really cool, you know, to see. I know from talking to the kids that um, a bunch of the guys, you know, were around this week. Um, you know, like I know the Slummers were around this week. And so, you know, just a lot of these kids grow up knowing that Wilson football is is bigger than just like any one year and all this stuff. It's this tradition that's ongoing and, and ever building. But, you know, now these kids, like this is, this is one of those things where they're, they're forever going to be on this team that got Dom's over, over that mark, you know, like yep. they will forever be the team that got coach Dom's his 152nd win. And that, that's something incredible. Um, you know, and he was getting Coach Dom's. You know, he he puts it right back to the players and assistant coaches and and the parents and the uh, alumni and everybody else. He he tries to spread that around, um, and you know, you know, it means a lot to him though because he cracked a smile. Like, <laughs> I mean, usually, even when there's the other stuff, we'll get that we'll get that laugh from him. You know, he'll he'll give us a laugh, but you know the. the you you could tell this this means a lot to him. Not that he was chasing you know the numbers, but just in what that means. You know that sustained success and and all the things that have gone into getting there are, are that, that journey has been quite the ride for Coach Doms. Absolutely, and we caught up with Coach Doms and Coach Slummer after the game after the historic victory for Coach Doms. There's a lot of wins in this interview. Um, and I said it would be one question and maybe a minute long, but uh, they, they they wanted to talk. So uh, we, we talked for about five minutes. So, I feel uh, like they were in a bit of a celebratory uh, they, were, they were happy. They were happy. So, uh, you know, it was a, a huge milestone and getting ready for a, an alumni event the next day that we're going to talk about next. So let's hear what Coach Doms and Coach Slummer told us after Wilson's vi victory over Warwick. 
two current or former Wilson coaches, Doug Doms, Jerry Slemmer, back for the 75th season celebration events happening this weekend. And, uh, well, we just saw a thriller tonight, gentlemen, and uh, a historic one. So, uh, Coach Doms, congratulations. Your 152nd win as head coach passing the legendary John Gursky. Um, what was your thoughts right there at the end of the game? We won. That's <laughs> all that, it's all that <laughs> matters, all that right? Mattered. You know, that's all that mattered. I'll trade this in a heartbeat for a district championship. What? Explain to the listeners here what happened on that last play, of the, uh, close to the last play of the second game, last that last play. series. Yeah, the second, third to last play. The, the quarterback fumbled the snap, and the officials claimed he spiked the ball to stop the clock. I said, what were you watching? The ball came up and hit his hands and fell. fell he never right even down. possessed yep. it. Plus, when you do that, you have to bring the ball up and there has to be a throwing motion. They said, oh, he took it and threw it to the ground. Well, that's not a throwing motion. That's a fumble motion. But then he threw the flag because he was going to call a penalty for uh, ineligible receiver downfield. Or something Is that what really it was? Stupid. He waved it off. And then he waved it off. Yeah. Yeah, and then he waved it off. But, you know, it was – you know, I mean, luckily we won the game, and that was a call right there. That that's one of the reasons I keep fighting for instant replay in the playoffs. I mean, you know, that's that, a your playoff game, and huge, that can cost you yep. a football game. That can cost you a district championship or anything. Well, your team's now in the driver's seat for you know the top top two spots in the power ratings, uh, with two games to go against Cedar Crest and then Senior Night against McCaskey here. Uh, Coach Slemmer, well, welcome back. We're glad you Thank could you. be here. Thank you. Uh, you know, you've known Doug for a long time. What, what can you say about <laughs> well. about Coach Doms and his impact on the program? Um, you know, over the last uh, what what is it now? Fourteen years as head coach. Well, if we really want to go back, we both came here the same year, nineteen seventy six. So that's over forty years ago, and and to watch Doug do a tremendous job. I mean, every year he was here as a teacher, he also coached, and he coached two sports. Well, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. I mean, the amount of time that you put in to do that football in the fall track in the spring and to do that for that length of time is just incredible and he's just you know he's, he's done a wonderful job and we're just so proud of him and the direction wilson football has gone and continues to go under his leadership and what can i say there's there's not too many high schools in america that has what wilson has going with the tradition as as you call with the wilson tradition club while well, there's tradition here at Wilson that's unmatched anywhere in the country. So it's exciting to watch them play, and, and I'm so glad I had a chance to come back from Arizona and see their game tonight. Yeah, fortuitous timing to have this event happen on this alumni weekend, the celebration weekend of 75 seasons. Um, one thing that's coming up tomorrow, though, the flag football game, and you guys are coaching against each other. <laughs> Has that ever happened before? Oh, are you kidding? You should see all the play cards I have drawn up. We've been watching films all week. We know each other really well. <laughs> right. If, so, well, are we going to see more more Gursky era type of football? Are you going to run it without whatever, the pads on? Or? I'm not revealing my Talk secrets. All right. That, that's, I, sorry, I shouldn't have even asked. I shouldn't have asked. So, well, thank you for coming back. We appreciate it. And uh, congratulations once again I, I on the milestone. Thing, how many times in the early days when we were, quote, little coaches? Yeah. And Slummer would always say, look at the accident, because I got hired as a football coach the day, two days before the practice started, started, because John Stopper went to yeah. Albright, and they needed and we a coach. we met, we met, yeah. 
first on, day of practice. Yeah, that's when we met. You met the first day of practice yeah. is the first time you yeah. met back in 1976. Yeah. Yep. That First is incredible. Yep. And you've Except got on a football field. <laughs> we didn't know we were both going <laughs> to land here. Yeah. So it was. It's well, you, been a life, lifetime experience. Seen yeah. each other a few times since that and first meeting. Friends so. as a result. Well, great. <laughs> uh, well. Tomorrow night, I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> right. For, for, for an hour and 45 minutes, you're, you're mortal enemies, and you got to come out on top. So, well, thank you for joining I us this evening. Again, thank Doug for. Absolutely. Uh, he's very modest. He, bought, you know, he, he, he couldn't even tell you how many wins there are. But I make sure that he always knows. Yeah, I, I let modest, him, Ernie, that Jeremy. Is a, that's a huge milestone. And we both have so much respect for John Gersky. Oh my God, yeah. We both coach for the, yeah. for the man. And I know he is up there right now as proud as he can be of, of what, what Doug has accomplished. And, and that's what it's all about. Well, thank you guys for joining me. 280 wins as Wilson head coaches, 281 combined. Uh, can't get much better than that. So uh, thanks for joining us, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there, Coach Dom's 152 wins, the new program leader. Coach Slemmer, 129 wins, uh, third place on the Wilson all-time list. And obviously, Coach Gersky slides in there at second place at 151. But, yeah, what, what a great night. What a great timing. Absolutely incredible uh, for the event happening right after, the day after the win over Warwick. And that was the alumni flag football game held at Gersky Stadium where we welcomed back 50 former football players. Uh, actually, it was more like 54 former football players. Four of them decided to not test the waters and just to be an assistant and a coach. And then we obviously had Coach Slemmer, Coach Gursky, and Coach Bernie Stop. I also made the return trip to take part in the game. And uh, it was uh, a lot of work, but man, it was fun. And everyone seemed to have a blast yeah, uh, I, yesterday evening. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was... It was just cool. It, it was unlike anything, honestly, that I that I'd seen or, or been a part of before. Um, you know, everyone that I, I've gotten a lot of good feedback, and that was awesome. That made me really happy, and I made sure everyone knew this was this was Joey, man. This was, <laughs> you know, like I did not want you know any any of that to be become like, oh, thanks for what you've done. Listen, I, I work the scoreboard. That is, that is I, I show up. And that's pretty much how a lot of the stuff runs here. Like, you tell me, do this, and that's what <laughs> I do. Um, that's that's how I operate best. Um, but, you know, like, it, I'm, I, we were talking about this just a little bit before the show. But I, I can only imagine how much work it was. However, man, like, I, I personally, I thought it was a huge success. And you know, the guys seem to love it. You know, I saw guys and again, things that make me feel really old, but like there were a number of alumni that I taught, right. Um, like Zach Zweizig, you know, seeing him out there, um, the Zerbies, the Zerbies, Chris Zerby came up to me after the game and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you are making me feel old, man. Right? The, yeah. Cause you know, I had him when he was a junior, you yeah. know, um, it, <sighs> I chaperoned the wallop trip with Dom's like one of my, it was my first full year teaching and Pat Zerby is a senior and was on that trip, you know, and so it's spring of Oh nine. Yeah. And you know, it's just, it was, it was just fascinating. It, it was really, 
it was an awesome experience to see that. And like, that's for me. And, you know, I had limited, some of it was limited in terms of like, I didn't necessarily grow up going to Wilson football games, but like I followed them for the last 19 years. Um, and essentially 20 seasons now. Um, yeah, that's crazy. But, um, again, things that make me feel old, Yeah, but it, it was, it was an awesome. So thank you for, for putting that on. And, and thanks to the support of a lot of people. Again, I got more of the, Hey, are you the guy that works with Joey on the show? <laughs> yes, that's me. You know, um, well, I, I I do appreciate you uh, helping me out running the scoreboard, and uh, I'm gonna it was get into probably thanks. Probably literally the easiest thing that <laughs> any job that anyone had there last night was what I had to do. Like, so I appreciate you're, you're welcome. But like, <laughs> I wanted you. I to... appreciate you setting the bar low, <laughs> <laughs> but I knew you could get there. Right, that's, that's uh... right. So you you threw you threw me a bone because you only give me tasks that you know I'm capable of completing. So yeah, right, we'll, right. We'll leave that. We'll let we'll let the viewers read into that what they will. But yeah. you, you gave me the simplest task, and I appreciate it. The best part of, of the event has been the players that have said how much fun they had because I didn't want this to be something that just was kind of they didn't feel that it was important because right. you know it was a fundraiser and there's going to be a good amount raised for the football program which is going to be great uh once i figure out all, all the bills and and we'll figure out what the final tally is but it's going to be a hopefully seen as a nice fundraiser for the team but uh people maybe they don't realize that the main fundraiser aspect of that came from these former players registered to play in this game and there was a charity donation associated with that right. so they weren't just coming back and putting their body on the line right. they it's, had to pay to do it's so kind of like it's kind of like when you sign up to pay play in like the football to- the, or the football like golf tournament you know like yeah you're doing it but like you pay to do that now i understand there's golf versus flag football like but like yeah you you were those guys not just their time but they yeah. they and I think going back to the interview, like what Coach Slumber was saying, that's one of the things that helped set Wilson apart from lots is lots of schools and programs is just that that willingness for, what did you say, 54 guys to come back yeah. and, and give time and money and their bodies. For, <laughs> um, Unfortunately. And, yeah, but, man, that first quarter, seeing some of those guys, like, dive around, yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. There were a couple times in the press box, there were a couple oh, no's. Oh, like, yeah. Without oh, the no. Mic. <laughs> I was feeling it every time, uh, especially that first quarter. We had guys from the uh, fall of 1969 through uh, fall of 1990 playing in that first quarter. I believe there was eight, maybe nine on each side. So it was 16 or 18 guys from the, those first, like, uh, that 40-year that time period. I'm sorry, not 49-year time period. Uh, but 20-plus-year 20, 20 time period, um, you know, going out there. And it was awesome. But every time that there was a collision, you're just like, oh, God, right. please. Guy, there were a couple times where guys, like, kind of laid out for the ball. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Mad props. Right. Respect. Right. There's some there's some people I'm like I hope they have all for Columbus Day. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it was I mean it was it was a ton of fun. It, think once things got rolling and people settled down and, and got used to it, um, it was great and it was funny. Um, so as part of their like like swag bag I gave out to them that came with uh, the, their jerseys and a few other things to commemorate the game and the season. Uh, they got a, a coupon for like a real like a quick dinner before the game because asking them to be there at four thirty and then playing until the reception yeah at eight thirty or whatever. I was like they might be hungry, so we were like let's get them something. 
the guys completely ignored it immediately on the field warming up. Like they're stretching, well, they're running patterns, they're meeting I'll each other you, for maybe the first time. There was, there was a great article today from Mike Drago, uh, you know, kind of in, in the Reading Eagle, or at least online. I, I don't, I don't know. If it, no, it was in print. Yep, uh, it was in print. Which is awesome because that, as that's been made clear over the last couple months. Like, it's a premium now. In print is like premium stuff. They only put stuff in there that is going to get read. Um, and, they, uh, it, it was really interesting because he was like, he's like, there was no way Jerry didn't have his guys out here this morning running practice. He's <laughs> like, because some of these plays, he's like, they absolutely had to be well, practicing. This. And you mentioned Jerry. I think my favorite moment of the game was I, I started, you know, they did the coin toss and I was out there and then I kind of was on the visiting sideline, which is where I, I put coach Doms and his team. And I was just walking around, and, and because it was just like a charity game, I was out in the field taking pictures. Like I wasn't worried about staying on the side. So I'm walking around, and I head over to the home sideline where Coach Slemmer and his team were, and and he he's coaching. Like this isn't just like a, a laugh fest. Like he is like he is coaching. He's telling the guys don't get beat deep, and he's what? yelling at him. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is exactly what we wanted because I mean, it wasn't super serious that he was being obnoxious about but it. But like it was fun, but it was also to 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 play. Well. Like, I looked over, and Dom's was usually somewhere, like, on the half of the field where the ball – on the sideline, you know. But there were usually a couple guys around him, and it looked like they were talking and doing stuff. Summer was usually standing by himself, like, on, like, the edge of the coach's box yeah. watching what was going on and talking to guys on yeah. the field. <laughs> well, it was it was great. Um after the the intros were done while the guys were still warming up, they, each coach had their guys huddle up, and then Jerry sent his guys over to touch the bulldog and, and, and run out of the field, and Doug had his guys touch the bulldog and run out of the field. And uh, Doug, Doug Meyer, who did the announcing for us, uh, said, here come the bulldogs, slowly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was great. And at halftime, we were able to uh, honor the uh, service of – uh, John Doc Moyer, 40 years with the Wilson School District. That's awesome. Uh, he was the uh, the first person in Berks County to be hired as an athletic trainer for a school, and I don't think uh, Wilson ever had to think twice about that decision because no. so what an incredible accomplishments have been coming Doc's way, um, especially in the last you know two to five years, and even this year, uh, I had uh, Doug read uh, the awards that he's been given, and uh, he's so respected not just in Berks County, Pennsylvania, the Northeast, but in the entire nation. Right. So um, you just have to understand how lucky we are to have uh, Doc and his staff because Kiernan is incredible. She's been here for a number of years now, and they always have great students with them and now part of the honors internship program. Yeah. So it's uh, – and, and, and Doug also mentioned that Wilson Sports Medicine has been given uh, awards as well because of – the uh, program that uh, that Doc and Kiernan run. So uh, the Tradition Club, led by President Bear Aiello, uh, presented Doc with a commemorative football to thank him for 40 years of service. And uh, that Doc is not retiring. He, no. He's here to stay. We just wanted the, to honor him at this uh, four-decade mark of working for uh, Wilson Athletics and uh, the Wilson community. Yeah, it's awesome. And like you said, everyone that's gone through the sports program – at, at Wilson understands what Doc means to the the programs and the and the district and everything, um, you know. And and I think he, you heard that when when it was, when it was presented last night. Both teams like stopped what they were doing. You know, like it. Everyone in the stands, like everyone is well aware. I 
I feel like everyone is well aware, and if they aren't, they should be, of how much Doc means to the programs and the football program specifically for our reference here. But, um, yeah, it, it's incredible. Now, there was a, a second half to be played, and that was, once again, pretty much dominated by Slemmer squad. Team Dom's got a couple late However, touchdowns. When, when you started seeing the connection between Zach Zweizig and Andy Sapola, whoa, like, look out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Zweizig to Sapola was great. Um, D- yeah, Dom well, started to mount Tom a comeback. And, and, uh, uh, but, yeah, I, I did say Dave, to him. Dave Diaz, man, was it like ball hawk out there. <laughs> I said to him jokingly, I was like, I didn't even give too much thought into having a, like, a game MVP, which I probably should have. That should have been one oversight that I wish I could correct, especially now because one of either Todd Mays, my cousin, or David Diaz, who I've known for 20-plus years as well, would have been the game MVP because the two of them for Slummer Squad were almost unstoppable for most of the game. Uh, But each side had a lot of uh, highlights and incredible plays and players, and I thank all of those guys that came out, made the commitment, and uh, had the opportunity to play in front of fans, the community, and on Gursky Stadium one more time. And it's just great. The one picture I have up there, if you're watching, uh, next to the Doc and Barry picture is of Joe Grimm um, making a play. Didn't quite get to the end zone, but I like it because I caught the uh, students, mostly the football players on the yeah. current team, were sitting in the end zone, and they were going nuts. The best part is they were usually on the case of the referees, which yes. were their coaches, Jake Peterson and Mark Steinmeier, uh, and also um, cheering on Team Dom. So they definitely weren't uh, you know, just sitting there enjoying the game. They were cheering on the uh, red jerseys and Team Doms the whole whole time. It was so also interesting. It was, it was pretty fun. I know for some of the guys they were talking, they've never – really done much on turf you know some of the especially some of the uh uh let's put just put it more veteran alumni um have never played on turf and then i thought i was like man some of these guys this is their only game they ever played under the lights at wilson yeah like um right but it, it was it was incredible um yeah it was a good experience and it was a lot of fun yeah absolutely it was a ton of fun so um i i just want to take the time now to uh thank so many different people uh, that had a hand in uh, the evening, and uh, it's tough to even know where to where to start, honestly, we'll because there the are Oscar music and, and you have like you have a minute to, to think where there there are just so many people uh, that deserve to be thanked. Um, but I'll start at the top with uh, the the rest of the Wilson Football Tradition Club and all of my volunteers. Um, you know, we already talked about you working the school board. I appreciate that. Doug Meyer coming back to do the uh, the public address announcing. Mike Drago from the Reading Eagle providing some media coverage. Uh, the, the the volunteers that we had from the Tradition Club, obviously Hallie Vaughn and Barry ILO, instrumental in getting this off the ground and um, their work uh, last evening. Then uh, Dave Long and your dad Jeff Raffoff doing tickets as well as Don, Don Heipler, um, manning the gate as well. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, little kids running around from, from my family, your family, uh, the Vaughns, that was great. And then obviously, um, the, uh, concessions people, we had three vendors come back from the night before and Mr. Softy and Sammy Stakes and, uh, Baker Bob's. And then, uh, the main concession stand was run by my family, May Sandwich Shop. So I appreciate the help, uh, that, uh, my sister Corinne and, uh, my aunt and uncle Dennis and Joyce and, uh, heard, Denali from when, the shop. Uh, when the announcement was made that Todd Mays was making a big play, that there was quite the eruption from the, uh, <laughs> from the concession stand. 
and uh, uh, Terry Yost was back to help us out. And obviously, my dad, who was all over the place, he was a bit of a gopher at the beginning during setup. And then he manned the uh, merchandise tables. And uh, I heard the uh, the uh, misprinted uh, apparel, the $5 blowout table went over really well. Nice. So uh, it was great. And uh, any time that we can uh, get rid of some merchandise and make a little bit of money for uh, for everything that we do for the football team, uh, sounds good to me. So I appreciate all of those volunteers. Uh, Paul Davis. Paul Davis was uh, on the sidelines with with the uh, Slummer Squad. He was the down marker. He was uh, keeping everyone in the loop of what down it was. And I appreciate his help as well. Obviously, the sponsors for the game. Uh, I mentioned May Sandwich Shop already, but Rick's Printing was huge for us. They did the game programs for us and uh, provided so much help for the Tradition Club event Friday night. And uh, we are working with them for uh, one more surprise edition uh, that just couldn't come together at the last minute for the swag bag the players got. And I'm going to be working on that over the next few months, and hopefully that'll come together and be a really cool item as well. And I don't want to forget the Van Reed Athletic Association for their help uh, with some behind-the-scenes stuff. And... uh, Getting uh, Reagan Underwood to come back and perform the national anthem. How good was she? They're incredible. Yeah, um, I, I think they both they both have uh, sang or sung. they they did. Yeah, back to back home year, games. So. Reagan came back. They're they're unbelievable. Um, and it was funny because we, we you know we're making sure we had the mics working and everything. So she was going to have to sing from the the press box, and I'm like, is that going to cause a problem? And she just looked at me, and she wasn't being like, she was just like. No, I'll be fine. And I was like, <laughs> I know. I, I it was a stupid question, yeah. and and she was. She, well, she I, was I, I I messaged Kim and was just like, your daughters were so amazing. The first two home games, could one or both of them, could, would they be willing to do that? Come back and do it again? And she's like, yeah, I'll make sure that, that someone's there. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, we had the the wireless mic issue. We're like, it's just doing the press box. Yep. Hopefully, it's okay. And well, it was pretty okay because <laughs> Reagan <laughs> killed it. It was awesome. So I appreciated her help. Um, I mentioned Jake and Mark being the referees. They did an excellent job. And obviously having Doc Moyer, who was the most requested person to be there by the players, <laughs> and Dr. Canner on the sidelines as well. And then, of course, I can't forget Mr. Cooper and the Wilson Marching Band and Courtney Weniger and her cheerleaders. To make it feel like an event and to really get the players involved, you needed to have the band and you needed to have the cheerleaders. And they work so well on each other going back and forth with the cheers and, and the, the the music. And uh, Marty Palm caught a great clip from yeah. the press box, and I'm glad he did because I didn't have anything. I was like, I don't have anything. I think I had one dark picture that caught the band, and I didn't have anything good. because the lights are not set up to light up the stands. They're right. Set to set up to light up the field. But um, Marty got it from the press box where he had the band playing and the cheerleaders performing one of their routines. I was like, this is perfect. So uh, if you're on the social media, you'll probably have already seen that. But um, yeah, they 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 came out in full force and it was excellent. A huge turnout from both the band and the cheerleaders, and I, I really appreciate that. And uh, last but not least, he's not listed there, but this is his photo. Bill Snook messaged me yesterday and was like, hey, do you mind if I come and take some pictures of one of the guys that I know is playing? Uh, his name's Todd Mays. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I can I think I can let you come out on the field. So he took some excellent pictures. I also posted a link to his album, and this is one of his pictures of the Wilson Marching Band playing during the alumni game. So obviously huge thanks to Coach Slummer, Coach Doms, and uh, all, all those guys that came back as well. And if I forgot you, trust me, it's not 
I, there's just so many people that helped out yesterday evening, and I appreciate all of them. Um, Andy Stufflet, Wilson Operations, yeah. always the guy. When 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 Drew Kaufman told me that he was the one that would be there, I was like, oh, we're in good hands. Yeah, that's right. we, I, that's I've right. known Andy for a long time, and uh, he was incredibly helpful uh, before, during, and then after. <laughs> so I appreciate everything that that they were able to do. So yeah, what 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 a night, what a game. Um, there was one more thing. Of course, my slide is all messed up, so I'm trying to uh, hear. Where you go? Well, yeah, I know. Unfortunately, so let me see if it's I can. Almost like you've been rushing around this. It, almost, almost. So this isn't the the full pictures. I had it, um, but I do want to make sure that uh, that people see this image. Uh, my brother-in-law Jason Dutt was there with his drone, and we've done video and pictures of the stadium um, during warm-ups before. But there are rules that prohibit you from doing it during games, which obviously makes sense. But because this has nothing to do with anyone, it was all for fun. I told him to uh, fly it as often and wherever he wanted to over and around the, uh, the Gursky stadium area. So he caught this awesome he did tell me at <laughs> sunset one point picture he had it up there. And it's like, it starts flashing and returning because they return to have like a safe landing if the battery starts to run low. He's like, I don't need this. I've got three minutes left. I'm good. Like on his battery. <laughs> But he caught this amazing picture um, just like right before sunset. Uh, and you can see Team Doms and Team Slum are out there. And uh, it's just super cool. You can see the that uh, um, it, it's just really awesome with the, uh, the the mountains or kind of more rolling hills in this area in the background. But it's just a really cool picture. And he had an entire video published uh, to uh, ACDC uh, with some pictures and uh, video footage of last night's game. So appreciate him doing that for us and uh, check it out it's uh, all these links and pictures and videos and everything are on the facebook page so yeah what an incredible time we, we had a reception at pj's afterwards which was uh, well attended and uh the guys enjoyed food and, and some drinks and and just talked and reminisced and got to socialize with people that they maybe had never knew before or have known but haven't seen in decades so yeah. Then that's what it was about, you know. Come back, have fun, support the program, and just uh, talk about uh, the good old days. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so real quickly, as we're running way long, we do want to touch on Cedar Crest here because that is the Bulldogs' next opponent, Cedar Crest Falcons. Um, head coach Rob Wildassen, um having a great year. They they had a great year two years ago when yeah. they were down in Section Two. They started strong, five and zero. He has really kind of built them back up. Yeah, they're, they're on that, the upswing. That's, that's good. Um, you know, last year they had a little bit of a down year. They were only five and five, but, but obviously that adjustment back to section one. Right. And obviously this year, well, they're already past that mark as they're six and two started five and zero. Oh, they started to hit the teeth in their schedule, having to play Warwick township and us, I think in three out of four weeks, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they, uh, they're, 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 they're suffering a little bit now with two straight losses, uh, and we do have to go to Lebanon. So right. it'll be our first trip there so since, might be 2014, possibly. Well, well, and yeah, because I was like, well, we've gone to Lebanon, but that was for the Cedars because they had flip flopped, I yeah. believe, um, which is kind of crazy because now Lebanon is down in section three. Right. But um, yeah, it, it was really interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't know that I've been to a Wilson game at Cedar Crest because when that actually, I'm almost certain I have not been to a Wilson game at Cedar Crest. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a little while since we've, we've been down that way. 
Yeah, so they are a mostly run-oriented offense, and that's you know that kid ran for three hundred something. <laughs> right. Um, Tyler Cruz is their main guy. He's back. He was a big, big time player last year. Jeff Reiner says he had six hundred fifty-eight yards and thirteen touchdowns. Yeah, he had half of that in one game this year, right? You know, so like he, yeah, he he can run the ball. Uh, they also have Chris Dans at quarterback. He is new to the uh, to the uh, offense this year, at least in the starting capabilities. Um, but they apparently have some studs coming up that are young. Uh, Aiden Richards is a name to remember, and then a few of their defensive linemen are back: and Eric War- Warzniak, T.J. Moore, and Cole Miller. So, um, you know, they have a few returning starters, and it's been going pretty well for Cedar Crest, like I mentioned. Started the season five and zero, uh, one and two in their last three with Wilson coming you, to town this week. Do you know who they play in week ten? Um, I do not Actually, know. I wonder if they have. Well, no, their crossover game would not be eleven in because no, they they play them in week one. They already oh, okay, beat them. Okay, yeah. Um, I was just trying to think of who they play because you know it. We'll see. Yeah, I'm they're, trying to figure out. Six and two right now, and like we said, they beat William Penn. Oh, their yeah. crossover game is the last week. It's okay. Garden Spot, okay, who so. I don't think is doing well this year at all. Yeah, no, they have not won a game. No. So. so Cedar Crest is, um, they're they're going to beat Garden Spot. I think that's safe to say. Right, so, so the Wilson game, honestly, the Wilson game is huge for them. Right, because they're sitting at six right now in the district. So, um, that Garden Spot win, what is is Garden Spot four A? No, they're five A. Oh, okay, but they haven't won a single game. Right, so that's Garden Spots happen. lost to Boone, Warwick, Palmyra, Solanco, Lampert, Strasburg, Conestoga Valley, Our Elizabethtown. Weekend opponent hasn't won a game either. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. So this game is big for for both teams. Um, you know, I, I think Wilson they need to handle their business. You know, you can't you can't let the success of this last week. You know, and, and getting the big win against Warwick means nothing when you go back out on Friday night. Right. Um, except like the lessons and experience that you learn. Um, it, it doesn't help you, you know, Cedar Crest isn't going to, you know, you know that they're going to really be trying to kind of get back, uh, right the track, you know, basically and, and get back on track. Um, and so you, you want to make sure, especially after what Township did to them this week. Yeah. You know, like they, but listen, the, we, we understand how things can get out of hand in a hurry. And that's not always indicative of how a team's going to play from week to week. And right. so you, that means nothing going into this week, except you just need to go and handle your business. Absolutely. Um, and if they do, they, they still, you know, Wilson could have a lot of football ahead of them yet. And, and that's what you need to be. You, you focus on, on the individual weeks because that's how you're going to get there. But, understanding that big picture of taking care of your business from week to week can set yourself up to do some, some pretty good and cool things over the next well, month and a half, two months. Yeah. So, so come out this Friday to Cedar Crest, head, head into Lebanon County and uh, see the Bulldogs take on the Falcons. Yeah. You pretty much just go down 422. And when you get into Lebanon, turn left like <laughs> and pretty much. All and then you'll do. be there. Yeah. All You'll right. see it. You'll see the lights then. Real fast look at the power ratings after eight weeks. Manon Township on top. Wilson next. Central Dolphin, Central York are your three and four, followed by Harrisburg, Cedarcrest, Cumberland Valley, and Chambersburg. Those are the eight teams that would make the playoffs should they start today. 
on the outside looking in are Redline, Hemfield, Lebanon, and Central Dolphin East. Uh, I don't think anyone below that, and that might be including a few too many teams to begin with because the top eight are um, are, are pretty much set right now. I, I think, I mean, if Red Lion could squeeze two more victories, they may be able to jump someone like Chambersburg, although Cumberland Valley does still have to play Harrisburg. And State College. And State College. So, yeah, Cumberland Valley is probably in a tenuous position. I'm not sure about Chambersburg's remaining schedule, but I even think, even if Cedar Crest See, finishes seven and three, so oh, an interesting they're in. Need, I think, but Hempfield has to play Manheim Township week yes, ten. Yeah, so that's tough for them. An interesting one to me is Lebanon because in section three, I don't know who they have left, but they they could win their last two. I know they're sitting at eleven, so that's a big thing to jump. So, but man, they I I feel like. Octorora and Anvil right. Cleona. Octorora, I think, just lost to Columbia this past week. Ooh, they they 50- lost to Effort by two this past week. Lebanon did. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was a big unfortunate yeah. loss for them. Um, but wow, and Anvil Cleona is Octorora is two and six. Anvil Cleona right. is a good team, pretty good team though. They're they're a tough out. Columbia Columbia beat Octorora, I think, fifty two forty nine on Ooh. on. Uh, on on Friday night. They did, yes, yeah. they did. But Anvil, the kid just kicked a fifty four yarder. And they played on Monday because um Well, sorry, their last game. They, they played on Friday night this week, but they also played on Monday, so they were playing on a short week because of uh some un- unfortunate I think there was a, a car accident with some injured players. Jeez. Oh, so um, I think it was. I think it was just injured player. I say just. I I, th- I believe. Every, hopefully, everyone was okay there, um, or will be okay. But yeah, they played on Monday and then had to turn around and play again on uh, Friday. On Friday. So that just that roller coaster. You yeah. Know? But um. So Anvil Clona, that'll be a tough game, and that's that's close. They're, they probably border. I I think districts. just to to put a bow on, I feel the top six. While the seeds aren't set, I think the top six are going to finish in the top eight. I agree. I think it's the seven and eight spot or the two teams that could fill in there that are up for grabs. I'll tell you what, Chambersburg lost by two to Harrisburg. I think they put they played them tough. Yeah, yeah. So like that, you you know those mid the mid pen teams that make it to the playoffs are no joke. You know, so but I I feel like you can think the same thing about the LL section one teams that are going to, especially make it. this year. Right. Yeah. Section one teams that make it are no joke either. So, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it sorts out. You know, it shifted around a little bit since last week and it'll shift around a little bit again this week. Um, you know, we said stay as high as you can, as you can here, keep winning. Um, well, I you know for us and I, I've talked to some people about that. We, as Wilson, you want spring forward to win. Like the common opponents with the other team, with if we're looking at one and two, it doesn't really, you know, league opponents don't really matter in that sense because they will all go out in the wash. And Central Dolphin will go out in the wash because they were a common right. opponent as well. So it but comes down to Mifflin to win the last two weeks. Mifflin, Springford, Mannheim Central. Right. And I think all of them have a good shot. Well, I, Mifflin needs to beat Exeter. This is a huge game for yeah. for Wilson. This yeah. is a huge game for the Bulldogs and, when and Wilson it's and huge or, for Mifflin too, because I think Mifflin is if they lose, they well, might not actually, might not big for playoffs. Exeter too, though, because yeah. I think Exeter needs a Both win of to them. get in. Yep, the loser might not make the playoffs. Huge game, yeah. huge game for the Bulldogs when Exeter and Mifflin play this week. Yeah, 
Uh, but hopefully and, the Bulldogs know, can take I care of business. I know it's counterintuitive to Bulldog nature, but when your you when your opponent for Mifflin. when your opponent's win percentage goes into your ranking, that's look at it from that way. So and you're you're rooting for the betterment of Wilson's opponent win percentage. Wilson currently has the highest opponent winning percentage of the teams in the top nine. Uh, Hempfield in 10th spot is the only one higher outside of McCaskey, which is down at 17th. Uh, so Wilson uh, is just a hair in front of Central Dolphin in terms of opponent winning percentage. And then the other ones are team weighted power rank, uh, power and opponent weighted power. Um, for wins and losses. And uh, that goes into, it's weighted because of uh, the teams you play. That's why you want to play 6A schools. Right. Because that's where the weight comes in. Right. Weight's very important. Um, Which we usually talk a lot about in our like off-season ones when we talk about scheduling a lot and a lot of those preseason ones. This is why you try and load, load up on those 6A schools. Right. So, eight weeks down. Ninth week on deck. It's yeah. going to be a, a handle, good one. Yeah. Big it's, one. It's handle a your really business. important one. Handle your business. The, you know, take, you know, we know they've, it's Sunday night. They've moved on. Uh, Cedar Crest is, is the focus now. So let's get the job done. Go out from the start and, and take care of things. Yep. Congratulations to Coach Doms again. Absolutely. 152. Unbelievable. Uh, congratulations to Anthony Coper, our player of the game. And uh, thank you once again to all the alumni that came out to play in the flag football game and all of my uh, volunteers and helpers and uh, just everyone that uh, made this weekend so great and uh, and a huge success. So anything else to add, Justin? No. All right. Then uh, for Justin and the Wilson football program, we just want to thank you for everything over the last few days, and we look forward to this week coming up. And until next time, remember, go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.